0: captain and ship ship ready to go? Um, you know, they told me the computer was going to handle everything, so looks like we're ready to go.
1: Captain says we're ready to go. (laughs) Therefore you're ready to go, soldier. Those computer Don't talk back to your captain.
0: (laughs) Yeah, guys, uh, everything looks good. Um, Take her out of port dock. Take her out of port dock. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explored the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we zoom through the most hostile alien-infested quadrants by the seat of our pants in Space Alert. Next, we build the civilizations of our forebearers from scratch in Imperial Settlers. And lastly, we monopolize properties in that other game, Finance. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our Brave and Intrepid panel.
1: Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein. And like Celeste said, brave
2: and intrepid. Hi, I'm Ed Povolaited, and I put the pan in it. Intrepid is my middle name. That's right. I'm Joe Intrepid Unfree.
3: I brave these fools to be here with you every week.
0: <laughs> too cool for school Mikey G oh
3: yeah no no really.
0: <laughs> hey guys what's happening with WGF this summer
3: well we're fresh from Kineticon where we saw a bunch of new games in development so scope out our insta for all the cool innovations and probably some cosplay too
4: I'm heading to Pennsylvania for the WBC. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> On Labor Day weekend, which game first will be at Dragon Con? The perfect collision of cosplay and gameplay. We'll be participating in panels, scoping out the latest games, and so much more.
2: Check out the top five ways to decide who goes first in the game. That and a bunch more in our newsfeed this week and our website.
0: So stay with us for all this summer fun, and thanks for listening Please like, rate, and review us wherever you can. Our first game up this week is Space Alert, designed by Vlada Zvatil, published by Czech Games Edition in 2008, number of players 1 to 5, ages 12 and up, playtime 30 minutes. When we discovered this find, what were our first thoughts? Mike?
3: Getting that warm, fuzzy, robo-rally feeling looking at this game. Evan? In space,
4: no
1: one can hear you panic.
4: Ed? Hey, don't worry. The pamphlet
2: here says it'll be fine. Nothing to worry about. Joe? This game simulates dangerous and terrifying situations that no human being has ever actually been in. At least not yet.
0: And it comes with a CD to tell us what space perils await. And I'm sure it'll be nothing but smooth jumps to hyperspace. But before we launch this review, Evan, tell us how it's played.
1: Space Alert is a cooperative game where each player is a crew member aboard a spaceship on a mission for the corporation. There is a captain, comms officer, security officer, and others. During the mission, the players will be notified of various internal and external threats in real time, represented by a running CD recording. While listening, players will have to plan their responses out in real time by laying down movement and action cards on a board in front of them. Actions include things like launching fighter ships or rockets, boosting shields, and firing plasma cannons. Once the recording is done running and all actions have been planned, there is a resolution phase where players walk through their plan to see if it worked. If the players planned well, they'll succeed in defeating all threats and jumping successfully into hyperspace, thus ending the mission. If the players did not plan well, they fail, and their ship will likely blow up. But don't worry, I'm sure the corporation will have a nice ceremony for their friends and family back home.
3: Oh yeah, the very <laughs> generous corporation. I Like it doesn't have a name, it's just the corporation.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're pros at those ceremonies, they may have them all the time.
3: Oh yeah, actually we were attending the ceremony of the last crew when we went out to our mission. Yeah. And I thought they were, you know, just a heroic crew that was getting a... A congratulations party, but we found out very quickly that that's not what the party was for. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that's the
0: tone that's set in the rule book. It is so funny. Uh, the rule book starts out with that ceremony for the other crew, <laughs> and then they go on to tell the new players, "Don't worry about it. Everything will be fine." Oh my God, you're freaked out! Oh my, <laughs> my God, catches like, fire! Fire!
3: Fire! <laughs> Something <laughs>
1: might be coming.
3: <laughs> yep <laughs> and was it fine yeah we're fine no it Good. was not fine we blew up on our first mission
1: <laughs> oh i didn't realize that was a rhetorical question it like. was a training
3: exercise we're all fine
1: yeah it was a simulation like the kobayashi maru come on nothing ever went wrong there <laughs>
0: But then the next one we played, Ed, that was the real mission, was a complete (laughs) failure as well. (laughs) I think this game is intended to be a complete failure most of the time. (laughs) Otherwise, it wouldn't be all that exciting.
1: It reminded me a bit of the game we played not too long ago, Galaxy Truckers, in which your mission is just to keep some semblance of a part of a ship uh, intact enough to make it to the end of your mission. But you know that things are going to get torn to pieces along the way.
3: This one, you definitely uh, get torn to pieces if you make one wrong step. And once you make one mistake, it cascades into a whole bunch more mistakes after that. (laughs)
0: I feel like the space truckers knew more about what they were getting into than this crew.
3: (laughs) Oh, they definitely deceived this crew.
0: I mean, this crew was clearly promised that the computer would handle everything.
4: (laughs) The corporation never lies. And also, both games were designed by the same designer.
0: Ah, that explains a
2: lot. Okay,
4: (laughs) now we're on to something.
2: I understand that the designer uh, habitually puts humor in all of his rule books. Yes, he
4: does. It's always hilarious. Uh, I'm sure soon we'll play, play Dungeon Pets, which is another good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, if being destroyed in space is your idea of humor.
1: Yeah, hey. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Well, he does a good job,
3: too, of uh, keeping the humor separate from the rules. I know a lot of times people try to insert humor into their rules, and you get confused of whether you're supposed to do something or not.
1: Oh, gosh, I do that all the time, even if it's not a humorous (laughs) game. makes it more fun. Well, you're just a
3: troublemaker.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I poke the bear through the cage. You really poke the bear.
0: The desperate feel is there from the get-go. The minute the very first warning comes on, you're ready for a mess. And what did you guys think of the way the game is designed, where you lay out all your actions first Then the mission ends, and then you resolve to see if you were successful. Oh, I love that.
4: It's kind of very Robo Rally Act, where you're you're doing your whole turn in real time, and then you're kind of hoping for the best when you actually see what happens. But you are laying out seven turns in a row, and it's kind of
3: anticlimactic sometimes to see, oh, I made a mistake, and now I know what my next few actions are. I know we're not going to be able to blow that ship up. I know we're going to die, like four actions ahead.
1: There therefore needs to be an expansion pack in which there's this time warp factor and you can go through and hit the button and you can reprogram some things and late later rounds. See, that would be kind of cool,
3: actually. You get like one or two time warps.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it costs you some integrity on the ship. You know, one of your cannons no longer functions or you lose some energy or something along those lines.
3: That's pretty cool.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I'm going to go back in time in 12 hours so I didn't eat those sardines. <laughs> <laughs> We could use that every day.
0: I watched Ed captain the ship first, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, I could do a better job. Step aside, Ed.
1: (laughs) That's right. Amateur hour's over.
0: And then then I I elbowed him out of the way and did the second mission and uh, failed utterly. (laughs) It was very tough managing the crew. I suppose everybody could do what they wanted, but I don't think that's a recipe for success. I think the intention <laughs> is the comms officer listens to the CD, prepares where the threats are going to be, and the captain sort of tells the other officers where to go. And then the security officer on more advanced missions handles internal threats like space robots that bust in and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, Or aliens hiding in the air ducts.
0: Right. The intention is the captain is supposed to tell everybody else where to go. Boy, oh boy, that is hard (laughs) in real time. The toughest part is remembering where you are in fueling because the bottom of the spaceship has all like the fuel tanks and you have to make sure, yeah, you can have people up there firing, but if you don't fuel their cannons... The fire just goes boom.
3: Yep. And <laughs> Celeste, on the first training mission, Celeste was in charge of keeping all the fuel ready. And uh, there's these bigger <laughs> tanks. So you use the big tanks to fill up the little tanks when they're empty. But she went in round one, two, and three and just dumped all the reserve tanks into the middle fuel tank. <laughs> and everybody was out of fuel by like the second round. She got a little excited. We need more fuel. Okay. Let's pour the whole tanker in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you shot the cannons. Another full tank.
2: Gross.
1: <laughs> uh, before she undertook this mission, she she made it a pledge to become the best fueler in the whole fleet, and nothing was going to stop her from doing that. So she got a little overzealous in the beginning. That Can't hold that against her. Well, you know, it was
2: effectiveness at the cost of efficiency.
0: Let me just tell you, there was plenty of gas in the white zone. Just, oh, yeah. There weren't oh, any yeah. enemies there. That's oh,
2: yeah, the
4: place almost yeah. caught fire because you were filling up the engine so much. Oh, yeah, that enemy was dead. It's just uh, the one in the blue zone is usually the one that ended up killing
2: us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Because it got enough shoot juice for two shots and then we never refilled it. I'm a little disappointed that I never actually got any points for looking out the window.
0: I know, I love that. There is an option where you can take an action to just uselessly stare out the window for points. What do they mean for points? Yeah,
3: it's either live or die, right? I didn't see points on the list
4: as a thing you needed. Well, Uh, if we we survive, there's actually a score system you can go through to see how well our mission went. Oh, wow. So we were pre-score and we still got destroyed. Got it. I will bet you that that
1: part, that's a separate book that's still wrapped in cellophane because nobody ever makes it. To the to that part. It's like break glass in case of emergency. No, it never <laughs> happens.
0: I imagine there are players out there who work very hard to get good at this game. And I think a good organized crew could probably crush it. I know that a lot of uh, fans of this game online have made up crew meeples out of existing fictional space crews like Battlestar Galactica and Firefly and Star Trek Next Generation. I saw online pictures of all those crews running through this game.
1: Here's another thing you can do with this game, which I thought about after the fact we played. You could write your own scenarios. It's just a matter of following the commands that come through the voice. You can record all kinds of things going on and really come up with just about any scenario you want.
3: You should grab an episode of, or two of Star Trek and just take out the different commands they give
4: and insert them into your own CD. Imagine if it was like Morgan Freeman doing it instead of uh, oh, whatever computerized voice doing what this. What a
1: great point because that computerized voice, you listening intently for the first command to come through, it's not Magil Barrett's voice, you know, on the Enterprise. Excuse me, Captain, something's going quite wrong. No, it's It's something out of the Berserker arcade game from 1981, which you can barely decipher. And you're... no wonder they're panicking right off the get go. They can't understand the words they're saying. It adds to the fun of the game. It's 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 a plus. It's not a minus.
3: Yeah, it's like riding the New York City subway system and trying to hear that announcement that says it's going to skip your stop. Yeah. It's just so muffled. <laughs> there's luck. no way to understand it. <laughs> Charlie Brown's
1: teacher. <laughs> <wah, wah>, <laughs> Queensboro Plaza. Alert. Data transfer. Five, four, five. Data transfer. I need a B. I
3: need I B. B B. B, B, B. I don't
0: have B. Bs. Data transfer.
4: Complete. I love that it was the sit-and-duck-class exploration (laughs) vessel. Yeah, they really did
3: set the tone right off the bat with that. And
4: and don't
1: get in that ship that has the giant Target logo on the side of the ship. You know, avoid (laughs) that one if you can.
3: Sponsored by Target. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) Okay, space explorers, it's time to dig up her berry. Space alert. Ed?
4: This game finds a great balance between fun and tension that surprises me as a real-time game. I'll dig this up. Joe? I'm digging this up. It was way too challenging
1: to bury. Evan? A fun cooperative game? Isn't that what survival in outer space is all about? Dig it up.
3: Mike? It was frenetic and panic-inducing, confusing, all the things I despise in a game, yet somehow, after thinking hard about it, (laughs) I will dig this up.
0: I am amazed, based on uh, how freaked out you were at the end. I was very freaked out.
3: (laughs) Better to be
1: freaked out on the planet Earth than out there, Mike. True, true.
0: This game should be called Space Chaos, but I loved every minute of it. I'm digging it up. You can find this game for about 25 to 45 bucks online. And if you have thoughts about Space Alert, let us know. We are at which game first on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Imperial Settlers, designed by Ignacy Tsawitsik, published by Portal Games in 2014. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 10 and up, playtime 45 to 90 minutes. Okay, when we shined a light on this find, what were our first thoughts? Mike?
3: You want me to run a whole civilization? I
1: don't know about that. Evan? Management resource game. I'll sit next to Ed and do what he
4: does. Ed? A card-based civilization game? I'm not sure if I can
2: play too many of those. Cho? The factions remind me of the Civilization series. I wonder if the play will too.
0: So many game pieces, rocks, apples, wood, coins, workers, swords, shields. How am I going to use this all in 45 minutes? But before we start managing our empires, Evan, tell us how it's played.
1: Imperial Settlers is a card game that lets players lead one of four factions, Romans, Barbarians, Egyptians, and Japanese, that have discovered new lands with new resources and opportunities. They discover that this land is far too small for everybody... The war begins. Players will expand their empires over five rounds during which they perform actions to explore new lands, build buildings, gather and trade resources, conquer enemies, and score victory points. <laughs> the settlers are on their way. Lead them to victory.
3: <laughs> yep. So <laughs> Egypt versus Japan,
4: huh? What do you think about that, Joe? Historically accurate. Well, the they're, they're land in between, so it should be fine.
0: Speaking of lands in between, it did feel very distant to the other players.
1: Uh, There was hardly any connection (laughs) at all, frankly. I didn't feel it. What do you mean? You could raise the other team. I get that. I don't know. Just too too distant. Not really worrying too much about what everyone else is doing. I
4: don't know. For me, I was always trying to pay attention to how many swords other people have and protecting the buildings I really needed.
2: Oh, I was constantly watching how many swords everybody else had. Probably paying more attention to anything else.
4: Did they
3: use those to attack your culture?
2: Yeah. yeah. Or threaten.
0: And the Japanese faction in particular was very vulnerable to that because both their public buildings could be attacked and their personal faction buildings, which the other groups, their faction buildings could not be attacked.
4: Well, I didn't raise you that often, but I, may, I imagine they was fairly balanced because it seemed like those buildings that could be raised were fairly cheap to put out. Did they have some other
3: advantage too that made it uh, okay for those buildings to be vulnerable?
2: I think they could turn their workers into samurai. That sounds cool.
0: It is cool, except that you actually have to use up a resource, right? So workers are resources, food is resources, wood, stone, all those little Uh, pieces that I was talking about. They're all resources that you have to sort of gather up and use, burn in order to put out cards. But if I have to use my workers for samurai to guard my private faction buildings, then I can't use them to put out other cards.
4: The flexibility sounds nice though. It's kind of interesting that even when your buildings get raised, you can then use that foundation to build other buildings. I found that to be an important
1: aspect of the game. I concentrated more on building than I did attacking. And I well, I was the barbarian. You
4: know, you were a peaceful barbarian. I don't know. I didn't feel all that peaceful when he kept coming around and stealing my stone.
1: Pay to build, so I have my building, and here's the one stone I stole from Ed.
3: My, my stone! I mean, he's a barbarian after well, all.
1: You should stop making the stone that I don't
2: steal it from you. Yeah. No yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I read a excellent online review, and it's by Lay Vegetables. <laughs> the vegetables? Yeah. He said, there's a very, he or she said, there's a very real s- chance of choice overload, and also said that direct player interaction is quite limited. Despite my general agreement with both of those sentiments, I still had a great time playing this game.
4: Yeah, one of the things I thought was really cool is how every card can be used in multiple ways. There's at least two to three different ways every card can be used.
0: Yes, like San Juan, it You can use your cards for different things. And I did like the consolation prize of being able to flip your card over and use the foundation. However, Japan did not get that benefit. Japan's cards, when destroyed, went directly to the discard
4: pile. Wow, samurai better be pretty good. (laughs) Usually the faction building, though, with two victory points each instead of one. Oh, that's a big deal. Double the amount of victory points? It's huge. Oh, yeah. So you
0: kept your board in the center and you would build your public buildings on one side and your faction buildings on the other. And faction buildings were generally worth more, but also more powerful. They did better stuff. And you had your own deck to draw those from. It was a very nice game to look at. The art was very colorful and cheerful and active. And the pieces are excellent. They're made of nice wood. They're great colors. I
4: really enjoyed the look and feel of the game. Was there a public
3: area in the game where people went to to get their resources to bring them back?
4: No, everybody had their own production area. The only way to really interact to other people is with the raise action.
3: Yeah, steal all their stone. That sounds fun. Yeah.
4: Yeah, like Kevin <laughs> did. It was good. Uh, he did it yeah. well, well-timed, too, because I wanted that stone. I planned for that stone. Savages.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was either lonely or hostile. I don't know that I love those two feelings.
2: <laughs> and especially at the same time. <laughs> now, playing the Romans, I came across some very... Uh, complex buildings. It was like the Hanseatic League was the name of <laughs> one. Okay. And another one was a, a spy den. <laughs> it just let me just sort of take stuff from, you know, from other people's places.
3: Did they have mostly the same effects in each deck, or did they have more of a theme to each deck?
2: They were pretty unique. It was pretty cool. I got you know I got to be sneaky for for a few turns. was something that I you know, I I never would have dreamed that that was in the game. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was I was the spy master. It was awesome. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's not a role you usually take when we play basically any game, Joe.
0: I think my favorite part of the game were the deals. One of the ways you could use cards was to place them at the top of your board upside down, and at the bottom there would be a deal. So when you place it upside down, just the deal would be showing. You'd tuck it in and it would give you a bargain on certain uh, developments. So you may get a deal where you get two swords instead of one every turn. Or you may get a deal where you can produce more wood or produce more food. I I liked that because it allowed you to customize your build even more.
4: That's what I thought was one interesting aspect of the
2: game. You're trying to customize your own engine. I love building me an engine. Yeah, there were so many different things to concentrate on. You know, if you if you had th- two or three more swords than everybody else, you you didn't have to have an overwhelming advantage. But even small advantages really, really made a difference.
4: There are a few expansions for the game, like the Atlantean, the Amazons, and the Atax. Did they only hit the letter A in the alphabet for those? I'm not sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's a Northern Empires with uh, the Vikings, the Scots, and the Inuits. I I, I want to play the Inuits.
0: Okay, Explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Imperial Settlers.
2: Joe? I'm digging this up because I played it quite recently and already want to again. Evan?
1: boils down to a management, resource, and engine building game. Pretty straightforward. I wasn't drawn in by the conflicting cultures aspect, but if resource games are your thing, dig it up.
4: Mike?
3: Well, I didn't get a chance to play this, but it has a lot of the different characteristics that
4: I look for in a game. Ed? A Sith-style game is always going to get my attention, and I love how each card can be used in multiple ways and allows you to try different paths of victory. Dig up them resources. We have buildings to build.
0: <laughs> this game is well-balanced and nice to look at, but it felt lonely to play. I like my engine-building games to be more social, so I'm going to bury it. Ed, where can you find this game?
4: I've seen this game at local and online stores, retail for about 50 bucks. If you have thoughts about Imperial Settlers,
0: let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Finance, designed by Dan Lehman, published by Parker Brothers in 1932. Number of players, 2 to 6. Ages 8 and up. Playtime, 120 minutes. Okay, when we dusted the sands away from this find, what were our first thoughts? Mike?
3: This looks horribly familiar. Please tell me I'm imagining this. Evan?
1: Well, let's see. If you land on a space, you can buy the space and build houses and charge others rent. If they land on your space, it
4: reminds me of another game. I can't quite put my finger on it, though. Ed? Yeah, it's, uh, the classic Landlord game, right, uh, but not that
2: classic Landlord game. Joe? At first glance, it looks like the humor of this earlier game beats the heck out of Monopoly's jaded portrayal of Depression-era economics.
0: Ooh, you said the other game's name! Oh my god, the name <laughs> that will never be said! Oh, you
2: dropped dime, Joe! Wait, we're going to
1: get a call from the Parker Brothers Corporation soon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But before we check our mail, Evan, tell us how it's played.
1: Finance was a predecessor to Monopoly. So if you know Monopoly, you pretty much know how to play this game. Each player starts with $1,925. Properties run clockwise around the board, and the costs to buy the properties get higher the farther along you go. Land on it? You can buy it. You want to build a house on that property for higher rent when other players land on it? Great, once you've gone around the board once, you can put additional houses on any properties you own. Players may trade properties or sell them back to the bank. There's no mortgaging in finance. If a player is unable to pay, all their properties return to the bank and the player's out. Roll doubles, go again, no limit on the number of doubles that you can throw. If a player lands on another player, the original player moves back five spaces with the same effect as if the player had landed on that space originally. The game continues until only one player is left Or the sun runs out of fuel.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, It's (laughs) tough to say which one would be first. Uh, (laughs) Ouch.
3: So it says in the uh, rules there that you have to roll once around the board before you can start buying extra houses. But I'd like to say for the record... I never made it around the board once before I was bankrupt.
1: Wait, yeah, why is that, Mike?
3: I landed in their space that is works exactly like jail a couple times. <laughs> I hit a bunch of places where you can just roll the dice to move backwards, or you draw a card that sends you back a few spaces. But
0: what was the real reason?
3: Where were you in play order? That's right. Oh, Yes. So I went last in the play order, which we all know that is the kiss of death in Monopoly and also in this game. Because all I did was follow the players in front of me around, paying their rent all the way around the board. You're just going to chase it. I told the board. you the last player in Monopoly has the same problem as this game. They chase everybody around and pay everybody's rent and just fail. Isn't that amazing
1: that, the, that Monopoly and all of it and Finance and these other games never made a corrective rule because of the last player deficit? For the
0: fact that two yeah. D6s are going to roll seven more often than anything else. Oh, yeah.
3: Yep, six, seven, eight. You just land in that zone of the same people yep. every time. And you're
0: just going to follow the guy who rolled it ahead of you and pay his rent.
3: Yep, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I was bankrupt before passing around the board once and i only bought one property because i was land- that's the only time i landed on a space where somebody hadn't already bought the property
1: And Mike, as listeners of this podcast know, you love going backwards. Oh, Oh, the negative
3: movement was perfection. (laughs) It was so good. You could literally roll two dice, and if the number came up odd, you'd go backwards that many spaces. So if you roll an 11, you go like a quarter of the way back around the board.
0: (laughs) I definitely found the rental scheme in this game much better than Monopoly. I always hated the house building to hotel aspect of that game. And I found it tedious. This game is much more clean. You get a house with the property when you build it. So it comes house and lot, go around once and build more houses.
2: The most important thing is that it stops the game from having a potential of going on or six hours or more because the rents go up so fast you basically can have up to six houses and you take the base rent for one house when you add your second house the rent for people who land there will double
3: and it doubles again and doubles
2: again and then yeah and <laughs> it doubles again when you go to three houses and you can go all the way to, to six Yeah, so. i definitely think the game will end faster because of the quadratic growth
3: Well, that is the one good thing about this game is that it has potential to end almost immediately. I landed on the boardwalk type space that Joe bought a bunch of houses on before I made it around the board. That was the last space I landed on before I went completely bankrupt.
4: Yeah. What would that
3: bill like two grand? It's (laughs) $2,400. Oh, yikes. (laughs) (laughs) Before making it around the board once.
0: And Joe, I believe, was the first.
3: I believe he was. right,
0: And he was raking it in. He definitely was because he was the first one around the board by quite a margin, which means he could stack the houses everywhere anytime he wanted.
4: And he did. That was a great strategy. It's like, oh, I have money. Let's build six houses there. Well, it's kind of the strategy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a little bit of risk in that. And if you build out all of your money into houses and then you hit somebody's property, you can only sell those back for half the amount you paid for them. So you should probably do the house building at the end
2: of your turn.
0: Joe, you were saying in your opening comments that you liked the humor of this game. It was better than Monopoly.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's much more lighthearted than in Monopoly. I mean, parts of it look like stuff you'd see in one of the old, like, little rascal short subjects. I mean, you have a carnival and Socom Wharf, which, you know, makes uh, light of saying it, it sort of portraying the people who run the wharf as being greedy for charging a $5 mooring fee. What? There are no jokes about being hauled off to debtor's prison. You know, about people being led away in handcuffs or in pinstripes or, or stuff, you know, or turning out their pockets with their hands out in a gesture of helplessness. Or getting clubbed by the police <laughs> or anything like that, yeah. Yeah, you don't see a guy, you know, grabbing the bars in his jail cell, I mean.
0: And I like the Chance cards had better humor, too. The cards were called Chance, yep. just like Monopoly. Yep, no
1: community chest.
0: They had funnier stuff going on I'm like one time you had to pay the banker not the bank, but the banker, as if, and everyone had to do it, as if he was taking a bribe or something like yeah,
4: that. Yeah,
1: I've
2: seen that in <laughs> other old Parker Brothers games as well. Yeah, the bank needs a little bit more of an incentive to approve this loan.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And Joe, this game came before Monopoly and was not originally owned by Parker no, Brothers, no. right? No,
2: David W. Knapp wrote the rules for this in 1931, which was a few years before Monopoly. And he copyrighted finance in 1932, which means he just barely beat uh, Monopoly by a couple of years. So he started out selling Monopoly at a 10 to 1 ratio. And Knapp ended up selling Parker Brothers the rights to finance for $10,000, which was a lot of money back then.
0: I wonder if the success was more about the name. I mean, Monopoly is a more exciting name than finance. Oh, yeah.
4: Finance sounds like a high school tech book. (laughs) It's true. Well, the landlord game is the original game. That was in 1903,
2: 1904, something like that. Instead of free parking, the board has a carnival space, and if you land there, your next throw of the dice sends you forward if you roll evens and backward if you roll odds. Mm, Yep. Hate it. That shakes things up a little bit.
0: It did shake things up. It did. I mean, moving backwards doesn't necessarily mean much in this game, except for that first lap.
3: Well, actually, so (laughs) I have something to say on that. (laughs) Um, So in the regular Monopoly, the hottest properties are known by some people to be St. James Place, New York Avenue, those three orange properties after jail. Yeah. Um, so this game not only gives the opportunity for people to go to jail and hit those properties again, which is a big advantage in Monopoly, it also gives you a space where you can move backwards and go back over those properties again. So it makes that string of properties right there the hottest properties in the entire
2: game by far. That can be very deadly, That those five spaces in that corner of the board.
0: Okay, Explorers, it's time to dig up or bury finance.
4: Ed? It may be a bit better than Monopoly, but as a certain character from Deadwood would say, how's that a recommendation? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Joe?
2: I'm digging this up as a faster, easier game than Monopoly. It's very likely to be much faster.
1: Evan? Evan? I'm so conditioned to Monopoly, it's hard to think of any Monopoly-like game being something other than a ripoff of Monopoly. The game has (laughs) many of the same features and flaws of Monopoly. I'm going to bury it, because like all Monopoly-like games I've tried so far, I get bored with them too quickly. So
2: you're saying Monopoly has a Monopoly on Monopoly-like games? Yes. (laughs) Mike? (laughs) (laughs) And Celeste?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I try my best throughout life to avoid playing Monopoly, and then this board unfolds in front of me and gives me those same nightmares I had. So I will have to bury this in the recesses of my mind, and hopefully never to resurface again.
0: Yeah, if my kids insisted on Monopoly, I might try to talk them into this instead, but That is not enough to say I'd intentionally spend my time with it. So, bury it. Evan, where can you find this game?
1: As you might expect, there are only used copies available for sale right now. (laughs) They are out there. I purchased this one online for about $9.
0: It is an interesting piece of history. And if you have thoughts about finance let us know. We are at which game first on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes and our weekly post-show podcast for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and become a supporter today. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Which game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Happy gaming, explorers!
1: Think before you play games, and afterwards, too.
2: It doesn't matter how you play the game, just that the game is played. Can you crawl through a postcard? I can. It was Aunt Belle who taught us to fold and cut a postcard so that we could make a circle big enough to crawl through. From Little Heathens, Hard Times and High Spirits on an Iowa Farm During the Great Depression by Mildred Armstrong Kalish.